our seat, our table. This is our voice, our time, our moment, our seat, our table. Yeah. Hey, 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 our seat, our table. That's right. You are listening to our seat, our table. It is Friday the 10th, Friday. As we say around here, it's Friday. And we are live here at WPRK 91.5 in Winter Park, Florida. My name is Barbara Chandler, and joining me is my co-host. Good morning. This is Daryl. Hey, Daryl. How's it going? It's going good. It is. It is. It is. It is. So once again, we are back as usual. Uh, usual suspects here. Uh, this morning, we are going to have a few people that you all may know. Dr. Shanestel Brown, who is a professor here at Rollins College. She's going to be joining us today. And we also have Mariah Ronan and Kiera Branker. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. They're going to be joining us today as well. Kiera said, mm-hmm. But yeah, you'll hear more from her. You, She, she uses words. She will use her words. Uh, but as usual, our seat, our table, the Leadership Lounge, our goal and our purpose for being here is to edify and affirm the voices of our black and brown communities, showcase and highlight the work that is being done on a very grassroots level. A lot of times we see the big corporations and we know the work that they're doing, but we also have our community leaders, our grassroots efforts that are making great impact directly in the community. So we love to share our platform with those who are um, taking the high road, those who are allowing other voices to be heard. And so this is the bridge to connect this, uh, our seat, our table, the Leadership Lounge is the bridge in which to connect the grassroots efforts to those bigger organize, organizations or institutions. Daryl, how has the month of black history been for you thus far? Uh, mm. Mm. Full. Full, it is. And this is only uh, the 10th day. And and as not just because I've originated it, but it is said that black history is not just relegated to 28 days in a month. Here, here. It is every day. Here, and, here. And, and so here we are on the 10th of February, and it's already full <laughs> and uh, to overflowing. So it's, I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in it. I'm basking and bathing in it. And... Uh, <laughs> I, I can't I can't get enough of it and pass me a biscuit so I can sop it up <laughs> okay it. so I'm, I'm here for it yes 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 I know there's a lot of lot of events that are happening and one that's happening in our Winter Park community is the 1619th Fest mm-hmm. Lawanda Thompson with the Equity Council I want to believe this is uh, we're in our fourth year right now I think it's the third year this is the third. Okay, okay, moving quick, moving quick. Um, I reached out to her. I definitely wanted her to be here to talk about what uh, visitors and attendees can expect to see, but she is knee deep in it. It is a two day festival. 
um, Friday, I'm sorry, Saturday the 18th and also Sunday the 19th. Correct. Okay. On day one, she has the 5K run. Um, it's done through the city of Winter Park. They, they do the 5K run or walk. Let me emphasize that. You know, pick your preference. I'll be walking. Yeah, I'll, be <laughs> I'll be doing a, a low-impact jog. That's that's called walking. Okay, hybrid. Yeah. Hybrid, okay. <laughs> exactly. Um, any other information that you were able to pull up on the event, uh, Daryl? Um, no. Okay. But uh, I, I think that pretty much covers it. Uh, there's going to be an after-run walk yoga cool-down. Yes, yes, she will uh, have that. And... Uh, Olympic gold medalist Nashomi Robinson yes. will be leading that uh, Zen moment. <laughs> and, uh, it's going to be a full weekend. Um, sometime in the future, if we're able to do so, uh, there's going to be, like I said, there's a lot of events going on throughout the month yes. celebrating black history. Uh, uh, Champions, uh, Champions League golfer, pro golfer Jim Thorpe hosting a golf tournament for minority junior college and professional players. Okay. Uh, it's going to be same, the same weekend uh, from Friday through Sunday, the 7th, 17th through the 19th of February. Okay. And where's that? It's going to be at uh, the Omni Resort at Champions Gate. Okay. Okay. And, uh, I have my clubs. Maybe oh. I'll show up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, right. no, no, I just um, have my clubs. But, <laughs> That's you know, it. Jim Thorpe, as well as uh, PGA Hall of Famer Renee Powell. Renee Powell, okay, that yes, sounds familiar. They, they, they will be hosting the event. Nice. And uh, they, they are walking, breathing history. Nice, so, nice. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to try to get there at least for one, one of the days. One of the days, yeah. And, uh, let me know, let me know. I may show up again with my clubs. Not, not to say I will be using them. I didn't but know you I played. I have clubs. I didn't say anything okay. about playing. You got clubs. Okay. <laughs> I have clubs. Um, also, so I just pulled up some information. It's called the Rebel Run, actually. Yeah. 1619 Fest. Yeah. Um, it's the Rebel Run. On the 18th, that will happen. She's going to have vendors out there, local vendors, uh, selling their products and their goods. Um, this has been uh, promoted by the De Florida Health Department, Orange County. Florida Department of Health, Orange County, wonderful. That's one of the sponsors. Of course, the Equity Council, um, the Soku Market vendors will be there, Culture Born, the Hannibal Square Heritage Center, um, and there's also Birthright to Africa. And so, again, this is next weekend. We're talking uh, Saturday and Sunday in Hannibal Square um, within the Martin Luther King area and the Winter Park Community Center, okay? Does it, okay, uh, the starting line for the run walk, is mm -hmm. that in Martin Luther King Park? I believe that's where they, yeah, I have 1050 West Morse Boulevard. Yes. So that's going to be around that Martin Luther King yes. Park area. Okay. Yeah. And you'll see them gathering. LaWanda has worked really, really hard on this. And we're just so proud of her and the efforts that she continued to to make in Hannibal Square. Last weekend, the Orlando Math Circle, they hosted their annual event. Um, we supported them at the Heritage Center, of course, and basically another free family event 
for students who love to engage in math in a more creative environment. Um, it was well attended. That is done by the Orlando Math Circle. The founder is Margarita Zabel, and they also highlighted some um, African-American mathematicians. There was a quilt. Um, they showed how math works within quilts. So it's absolutely wonderful to see all these things happening. Um, so there's a lot of programming. So go to your Eventbrite, type in Black History, and you're going to get a stream of programs. One of the things, again, that I am proud to announce is Traces 365. We launched it last week, Wednesday or Thursday, I believe, towards the end of the week. And Traces 365 highlights cultural permanent landmarks uh, within our Central Florida community, whether it's Winter Park, downtown Orlando. A lot of times people are looking for landmarks that are here 365 all year round and not just those um, that you know come and go because of the month of black history. While we appreciate all the efforts, we wanna still keep the conversation going 365 days. So some of the things that you will find on the on the 365, and, and there is a Facebook page, on the 365 Facebook page, some of the things you will find will be um, the other museums around, other art galleries, the Zora Neale Museum. There's a Pine Hills mural, a mural in Pine Hills not much people are aware of, uh, just a simply beautiful mural. Uh, we have the Wells Built downtown, and then there's also the Goldsboro Museum in Sanford. Mm -hmm. um, Dare Books, you're familiar with Dare Books? You oh, yeah. Up the other day, yeah. Going yeah. to see him after we get off the air. Exactly. We got to bring we got to bring Desmond back. Uh, Dare Books. Tell us a bit about his collection. Very expansive. Oh, please. Yeah. How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I mean, you know, it's 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 challenging, almost impossible to have a brief conversation with Mr. Reed <laughs> because <laughs> he is a living, breathing, walking repository yes. of knowledge. Yes. And as I like to say, you know, we've heard the cliche throughout our life, knowledge is power. Yeah. yeah. I like to say applied knowledge is power. Big difference. Big difference, yeah. right? So <laughs> um, he is, he applies that knowledge and any chance that I get, it's worth the trip to his store to just absorb. Yeah, I <laughs> and, agree. Uh, you know, so, uh, Mr. Reed. Yes. Mr. Reed. Yes, yes, Mr. Yes. Reed. <laughs> Mr. Reed. We're going to bring him back. I know that the Winter Park Public Library is also doing their reading. Mm. Um, that's where they select community members. Mm -hmm. uh, you bring your favorite book, and uh, it's usually around maybe possibly black history. Yeah, I've, but the, I've, I've, yeah. I've done that. I've, yes. I've participated in that, and it's really uh, inspiring. Yes, and, it is. And to share and to you know, receive again that energy. Yes. That 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 spoken word energy. That spoken word energy. I'm scheduled to read, and one of my favorite books actually comes from Dare Books. Mm -hmm. um, it is Little Lion Goes to School, mm -hmm. and it um, highlights the Rastafarian culture when a young man with dreads enters into like uh, elementary school. So more than likely, I will read that book. Um, the other thing, of course, the Hannibal Square Heritage Center. Uh, we have the Quilton exhibition on. Line, uh, story Quilters of Hannibal Square. Absolutely beautiful. If you have not seen it, it will be on display until April. 
So um, we're also going to do the Hannibal Square um, or the Story Quilters Talk, the Quilters Talk. So we're going to be doing that in March. Always know that you can go to these websites, Facebook pages to learn more. Um, so we want to get into it. We want to get into it. We're going to begin with uh, Dr. Shanestelle Brown, who is a professor here at Rollins. Tenured. Tenured <laughs> professor, and we're just so proud of her. I mentioned your name last week. We had uh, Sydney, Sydney, who is the VP of the uh, Student Government Association. I mentioned your name, and she just lit up. Oh. Everyone, everyone <laughs> so just says how wonderful and awesome you are, and the work that you're doing. And I know that you you brought some information over. Um, it's a research team, and basically you are doing research around women's health, black women's health, and the programs or how black women are treated around HIV, um, the uh, the health equities. So I want to turn this over to you, Sean Estelle, and uh, just before you start, please just give give our audience a, a, a bit about who you are and your background. Oh, sure. So, um, oh, let's see. I've been at Rollins. This is year seven. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wow. I know. I know. Um, and I am, I'm a medical anthropologist by trade, and I coordinate the global health program um, here on campus. Wow. Um, and so this project is... You know, a lot of the work that I've been doing for the past few years is centered around um, HIV prevention, um, just because it's it's just really important. But um, before I came to Rollins, I was a researcher in the AIDS program at Yale School of Medicine. Okay. And so I was totally immersed in um, kind of understanding why HIV is still an issue all over the world from this kind of multidisciplinary perspective. So... My research focuses on um, the patient-provider relationship okay. and how these two particular groups of people don't always see eye to eye. And my role, I think, and as far as all the research that I've done you know, over the last 20-some-odd years, um, has, has always been trying to figure out how to get these two groups of people to understand each other and to bring them closer to, together so that they can be aligned to improve health outcomes. Exactly. So, so making, I always say it's building the rapport um, on both sides, who will be serving you and also letting them know that you are aware of your own body. So it's kind of giving a voice to that. Oh, completely. It's all about body, bodily autonomy. It's about um, understanding that providers, their skill set is very, very vast about the body, but they actually haven't been trained to understand this broader context of what people are going through mm. in their home environments before they ever cross the threshold to sit in front of a nurse practitioner or a, a doctor in order to explain the problems that they're that they're having. So um, I, I think in a lot of ways, that's why the social determinants of health has really caught fire in um, medical spaces, even though it's been a part of public health for so long, because we need to understand this environmental context, right? And so what's going on in Central Florida right now is that this is an environment where people are receiving new HIV diagnoses that they should not be receiving, right? There should be no one who should be getting, um, being told that they have HIV, right? That someone um, transmitted it to them because 
we have the knowledge, we have ways that people can prevent it. If somebody um, has HIV, we have ways that um, we don't have a cure, but we have ways that people can prevent transmitting it to, to others. So we have a lot of tools in the toolbox, but these pieces are still not totally connected. And so Orlando in particular, um, and this kind of geographic area is number five in the nation for new HIV diagnoses. So, um, yeah. so just a quick question. When I hear you say that we have the tools in the toolbox, I, I think of, again, information dissemination. Where, how, how do we bridge that? Because we have the tools, we have the resources, and so why isn't this getting to uh, community members or community residents? And is it um, black women? Where, where do we fall in that? Okay, so... Where black women fit in this is that in this area of Central Florida, of Orange County in particular, it's black women that are the women of all women who are receiving new HIV diagnoses. And that's black women of any age. Um, the other group of people um, that is receiving new HIV diagnoses is young Hispanic men who have sex with men. men okay. So what's happening is there are these kind of pockets in, in Central Florida, where there are people who have HIV, right? There are, uh, what, a thousand people coming to Central Florida every day, right, moving. And so there's a lot of movement, um, you know, inside our, our community. Correct. But the problem is there are people who do not know what their status is. So that means anybody who has sex is, is at risk. Correct. Um, with black women in particular, I think some of the issue is that when you're looking at um, again, going back to bodily autonomy, going back to how black women enter healthcare spaces, there has been this history of not being listened to. Of um, there's a an, a broader issue of providers not being able to talk about um, sexual health and sexual wellness with anybody, and that includes black women. Okay. And so there's overall just a need to make sure that both patients know that they need to talk with their providers about. Um, about prevention in all kinds of ways, right? Not just HIV, but how do we prevent sexually transmitted diseases? How do you, if you want to prevent pregnancy, right? There, these are conversations that are not being had. Um, and then providers also need to be up to date on all of these um, prevention tools and all of these these treatment ways because um, they're, with PrEP in particular, right, which is a, a pill that people can take also now injectable okay. um, for HIV prevention y even though the the FDA approved it 10 years ago it's Is still anyone familiar with it Daryl are you familiar with it with what the pill she just no mentioned. I'm not yeah see that's what I'm saying right yeah. there are there are a lot of people who aren't aware of it and then there's also an issue of, of marketing when it first came out where you had people who um, were initially marketed to that were pretty much only gay men and so it becomes very easy uh, for people to think to look at even just some of the ads that are out now and say okay well but that's not for me yeah okay okay i see i see um, and so our project is um is trying to um first understand the experiences of local black women here in the community um we are conducting um one-on-one -on -one interviews and we're so fortunate to have funding to compensate Excellent. women for their time which is really exciting um, we're funded through um, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, and um, uh, it's a collaborative project with um, Dr. Rochelle Joe, who is a um, counseling educator at um, UCF, 
And then also um, Dr. Andrea Dunn, who is a pharmacist who has her own nonprofit called Let's Beehive. And she is passionate about um, educating local women and girls about um, sexual health and decision making and, and autonomy. Excellent. So we're interviewing black women in the area um, to understand what it what it's like to be them in when they are kind of in a space and trying to, to negotiate their health with their partners, their friends and family, and with providers. Exactly. Um, and doing it with dignity. Right, absolutely, especially with dignity, right? And yeah. so then the, the second um, year, we're going to take all of this data together and work with a body of local stakeholders in order to co-analyze this data in order to figure out how to move forward. Uh, my question comes from what I like to say. The way we communicate affects how we operate. Right. Um, yeah, it sure does. And for the past hundred some odd years, um, within the medical education community, medical schools, there's been a bias and a disparity and a demarcation and a double standard as to how and who gets treated and how they're treated. And so here we are a hundred years forward still having that same issue. So my question is this, how are we communicating? How is it being communicated within 21st century medical schools and specifically here in the state of Florida and in Orange County? I, won't, I don't need to call the names, but the medical schools to talk about this disparity, double standard of how someone is being treated medically and who gets treated. Uh, and from your background in medical anthropology, from your research from then to now, are you aware, as is that being addressed in medical schools now? So now that I'm at a smaller liberal arts college, I don't have the, the ability to kind of be at a medical school anymore as much as I used to before I came to, to Rollins. Um, and the institution that I came from um, had a lot of emphasis in communication um, not just in the community, but inside the medical school, about HIV in particular, right? And it's because there was a concentration of um, scholars and providers who studied it. I don't get that feeling here in Central Florida, right? One of the, um, I actually listened to a webinar not too long ago, and it was talking about um, infectious disease specialists and where they are, they're, they're kind of concentrated in cities, but they're not necessarily concentrated in the U.S. South. Right, and that is the place where 50% of all new HIV diagnoses um, happens right now. So as far as um, medical schools, because I, I mean, I, I know from um, just kind of understanding some of the curriculum that there is not a lot of time to talk about a whole lot of topics. Wow. And so sometimes, for example, if you're talking about um, issues of gender or issues of sexuality or even just pain management, these are... Um, specialties of specialties. And so it, it, they become electives that somebody, um, a particular medical student may find interesting and pursue, but it may not end up being a part of the general curriculum that all med students are coming across. But I mean, that's not the end of their education, right? I mean, there are also opportunities um, for continuing education. And so I have seen um, a lot of organizations um, trying to educate further, right, on some of the, the newest pieces of information. Um, and so that's uh, what the NIH grant that I am working on, I, I've 
too many projects, but I was, <laughs> um, that's the project that we're working on now, right, is trying to figure out how do we make sure that local providers who are working every day, busy, tired, right. are up to date on these pieces of information. So the med school piece is one piece of it, but um, it's actually this, you know, if we, if providers think of themselves as lifelong learners, right. then it should be actually very easy to present new pieces of information that they may have heard about or may not be aware about. But I think the problem is actually trying to integrate it um, into their regular daily practice. Which is already a busy schedule. Um, the, uh, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes total First of all, we are so lucky to have you in our community bringing these kinds of projects forward because it, it means a lot. And as Daryl it said so beautifully, the way we communicate is the way we operate, right? It affects it. It affects it. It affects it. So when we look at those numbers and we, um, you said African-American women are in the high ranking. Um, and then you also said um, Hispanic men, correct? Men who have sex with men. That's correct. So when we say African-American women, are we speaking of Caribbean women too? Where does that fit in? Yes. So um, the way the the epidemiology works is that um, essentially black is kind of taken altogether. But there are individual fact sheets um, at the Department of Health um, that look at this across the state for um, Caribbean people, for black women, for black men. Um, and so you can look and see the numbers themselves are not that different. But what we do know is that there are issues of culture. There are issues of um, uh, of, of stigma, and uh, people are kind of bringing, in some ways, some of these these old stereotypes yeah. and fear about um, HIV into the present. And so, to your point, Daryl, about communication, um, these are really durable, as you know. And we need to figure out how to break those because there is new information. There are new ways to to prevent it, and yet that information is not really breaking through into communities um, that really need to hear this information. information. And does that also come from who is leading the conversations? I know a lot of times we talk about creating safe spaces to have these conversations. So what does these safe spaces, what should we uh, be doing as community members to help you in your research creating these safe spaces, having conversations and, and dialogues with women in our communities to make sure that along with everything else, just like we were able to go through and talk about all the different um, black history programs that are happening, we need to be able to do that as well from this standpoint. So how can we better um, advocate for this work, creating safe spaces, having these conversations with dignity, with dignity? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the first thing is to further reinforce that these statistics are real, mm -hmm. right? That even though there is a history of discrimination that continues to persist in, um, in healthcare spaces and among the medical community, um, there are also a lot of people who work inside that, that field who want to do good and who want really good things for, um, for their patients and for the community uh, in, in general. Um, but those stats are legit. And that's one of the things that I think needs to kind of come through first, right, is that you really can trust these numbers. Right. And then on top of that, um, being able to find providers that you can trust um, 
and being able to find information that you can trust in order to put all of this together, um, in order to make a decision about your own individual health, I think is is going to be key. But I, I think um, it really just starts with 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 trust. With trust, exactly. So again, um, on that, you do have information. How can someone contact you to participate in this research? Oh, sure. Um, so the um, website is let's beehive, um, all one word, mm-hmm. dot org slash research. And that will take you right to um, our page that describes our project and what we're trying to do. Um, and then there's also um, uh, an area, if you just scroll down just a little bit, it'll show you um, how we're recruiting for black women in living in Orange County. I have it right here. Let me see. It says, you are invited to participate in this voluntary study. If you're a cisgender woman, um, 18 years of age, identify as black, African-American, Caribbean, or descended from people of African descent, and you reside in Orange County. Correct. So right now it is focused in Orange County, not Seminole or Osceola. Correct. Um, and the reason for that is because... Um, the CDC has identified 57 jurisdictions um, across the country that have these these um, higher cases of new HIV diagnoses, and Orange County is one of them. I mean, it's, it doesn't have a wall around it, right? But um, it's Orange County that has identified these numbers. So um, there are certainly people who live in one place and work in another, but we're trying to focus on um, essentially trying to get at some of the um, issues that are happening inside Orange County. Got it, got it. Now, also, I do see compensation rates. You do have that Mm -hmm. because how long does this um, testing or research, I don't want to say testing, I should say research or the interview process, Mm -hmm. how long does that take? Oh, so each, um, so the one-on-one interview, what we found is that it takes about two hours um, because people are really forthcoming with their responses. Um, and so the way it's written is that we are um, offering $25 an hour um, up to $50. And it's in the form of a gift card. Okay. Okay. Because we realize that um, these things do take time. And we don't want anyone doing it just for the compensation. You want authentic information. But there is time, their time, personal time that um, has to be taken into consideration. And, and with that in mind, as far as time management, mm-hmm. uh, how, how and when are these interviews available? Is it just limited to Monday through Friday? No, we have them uh, over the weekend as well. Okay. Yeah. And so and can it be done virtually? Yes. Um, so they can be done by phone. They can be done in person at the Let's Beehive office, or they can be done um, online. Excellent. Okay. Yeah, and so when you, um, if you, if a person fills out the um, interest form, then um, what will happen is then afterward they'll be able to see the um, possible interview schedules, and they can make their own appointment at their time of their convenience, mm-hmm. just to making sure that you allow yourself kind of a two-hour block. But then on top of that, they can choose um, how they want to do the interview by phone or in in person or online. Thanks for asking that.
Sure. Yeah, yeah, really, really good. So once again, you are listening to Our Seat, Our Table, the Leadership Lounge here at WPRK, Rollins Radio. Um, also, if, if, if you ever miss or have to, I know you're driving and you want to hear our programs, maybe it's time you, you to get out of your car, you can also go to Spotify and look up Our Seat, Our Table, Leadership Lounge, and you will see our programs. So if at any time you're listening but you're like, oh, my goodness, I, 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 I got to go, um, know that these programs are also recorded and uploaded as well. You will go through and you will see a list of past programs we have done. This is actually day 10, and this is episode 10. I love I love the number 10. And, of course, uh, Dr. Shauna Stell-Brown is here with us in studio live sharing information. Dr. Shauna Stell-Brown, please give us the website again, how someone can uh, do that inquiry form if they would like to participate in this research, um, which, again, it helps everyone. Uh, the more research we can have, have, the more the better we are uh, more equipped to to handle um, any medical issues so please once again the website uh, sure. how can someone get in contact it's let's beehive b-e-e-h-i-v-e dot org slash research so that's any any parting words what what if you needed to just leave us with with one thing what is that what would that charge be? Help me spend this money. Ah, we all understand that. <laughs> how you communicate is how we operate. We all understand that. That's right. And it's to, to spread the word and inform. I know that you have dropped off some information. Um, we've placed it on our social media platforms. Um, and, and we need to share. This is valuable information. And once again, it's to protect and save our lives. That's right. Yes, yes, yes. Anything else you want to... Leave our shiny stone. Well, we're going to help you spend the money, <laughs> and we're going to help you get the word out. And uh, so, there will be some type of an event at a venue soon. Yeah, we'll yes. be at the sixteen uh, nineteen fest yes. on on Sunday. Excellent. Okay. That's the run day. That's the health day. Yep, we'll, be, that, we'll yeah. be there on the health day. And yeah. that's we'll that, have a table. Yes, excellent. And that was uh, Lawanda's whole purpose is to bring uh, programming around health into the black community. So this is excellent, excellent. We want to thank you, Dr. Shauna Stell-Brown, for joining Our Seat, Our Table this morning. Indeed. Thank you so much. Indeed. I really appreciate it. We'll have you back again. Great weekend. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And good luck with everything. Thank you. Our time, our okay. moment, our seat, our table. All right, all right, all right. You just heard from Dr. Shauna Stell-Brown. We want to thank her so much again for joining us and speaking about the research program in which to um, just have more research around HIV um, and making it uh, a conversation as we do everything else. I was able, Daryl and I, we were able to rattle off every 
program that's happening for Black History Month, and we encourage people to go and look for more programs. All the ones that we know about. There's probably more. Of course. That's just local. And so we should be able to do that same thing when it comes to our our health and well-being. Okay, so up next, up next in the house, we have Mariah Roman. Mariah Roman is a local artist, photographer, um, behind the scenes. She's got a muralist. Um, she's going to tell you all the great things that she's been doing in our local community from an art stance and, again, giving voice to local artists. Joining her, she's with the Black Shell Studio. Black Shell Studio. You got to check it out. Joining Mariah is Kiera Pranker. Is that correct? Okay, okay, I got it right. Kiera Kiera likes to use sign language, shaking her head, but she is going to find our words. I promise Kiera is going to find our words. There we go. That's it. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. Everybody's a friend that's listening to us, right, Daryl? Indeed. They're all our friends. They're all our friends. Okay, so uh, Mariah Roman. Mariah, we met, what, maybe three years ago? Way, way back. Way, way back? I want to say like 2018. 2018, okay. So like a little bit further. Yeah, that. everything is three years ago. Just like everything is like right, right around the corner. And the it's pandemic like, was three years that's ago. Right. Or it's that's still right. today. That's right, that's right. <laughs> Mariah, you have been um, a leading voice in our local arts community on every front. And I want you to talk about that. Some of the boards that you've set on, some of the projects that you have worked on, and you have a very um, amazing thing coming up. And um, it's going to be hosted at the Hannibal Square Heritage Center, uh, the Black Lunch Table. And I know, Kiera, you're going to be a part of that as well. Yes, I will be. Uh, There's Kiera, y'all. Kiera's (laughs) coming through, (laughs) y'all. Yes. So talk to us, Mariah. What's happening with you? Yes, so happy to be here. Thank you guys for the invitation. For sure. um, And to be a part of this space. Um, So, yes, my name is Mariah Roman. I am uh, from, born and raised in the Orlando area. Um, of, of of course of Caribbean descent. Bra, um, bra, bra. <laughs> my I you know have Afro Caribbean roots. Yes. Um, my mother was from the Virgin Island, is from the Virgin Islands, and uh, I'm Afro Latinx. My father's from Puerto Rico, so I come into the world with so many intersections, um, and that really leads my practice as an artist. Um, and so um, I started out my journey coming back after Tallahassee, coming back from school. I attended Florida State University. And I came back um, just really charged to get involved in the art scene um, when I came back here in 2017. And Orlando looks so different. And I wanted to be a part of the changes and the stories. And a lot of people don't know outside of Orlando how rich black history we have. Exactly. um, How how rich the culture is, how unified we we were historically. And so, um, and and especially within the arts, right? Um, beyond performance art, but visual art, spoken word, uh, writing, writers, authors. We, we come from such an amazing history of, of, of creators. And so I wanted to, with my work and my practice, help archive that. Nice. Whether it's through photography. I'm a photographer. Um, visual art with painting, mural work. Um, so we set out and we started doing um, pop-up gallery shows around the city. And so we were invited by Eatonville on their Founders Day in 2019 to do a pop-up gallery. In a, and we had a 10 by 20 tent. And we filled it with artwork. Local artists were able to show their work. And so we always, even though we may not have had access to gallery spaces right. or venues, 
that's something that's so hard to access as a black artist here in Orlando financially, you know, in all ways. And so we were like, how do we get it to the people? We used our disadvantage and our lack to bring it to the people, bring it to the street corners. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our lack became our blessing because we became more accessible because we were not inside of a wall. That's we right. Were inside of a building where there was a fee or a ticket or anything like that or where it was hard to miss. And so we had that opportunity to do pop-up style galleries to bring it to the people so that when you're walking by, you can experience art and black art and, and artists of color, BIPOC artists as well. And so we started there and then we were invited to do a mural project at a local park in Eatonville. Um, a lot of uh, folks um, may know it as Elizabeth Park. And so uh, we were invited by the town planner. That's on the traces, 365 <laughs> traces. It is on the traces, yes, 365 <laughs> uh, map. So, you know, definitely visit. Um, but yeah, so we were honored to uh, just get poet. You know, I'm a poet. I'm a spoken word artist and a visual artist. And so I was like, the vision was to blend those mediums together. And so we did an artist call. We got 16 artists, half were poets, half were muralists, and they got together, they chose each other, and they created each wall has a poem and a visual art component to it. How where, big is the wall, Mariah? Ooh, it's massive. Um, it's, it's basically like a handball court. Okay. Um, and so there's sections, and so we every wall has a, uh, every section has a muralist and a poem. Um, featured on there, and, and it, it was created to inspire the local youth to honor the community of Eatonville um, and to really just, you know, just bring a sense of pride and a sense of um, education and just inspiration for the future as well. And so we honored Zora Neale Hurston, nice. who's a world-renowned poet, um, anthropologist from uh, Eatonville, Florida. Yes, Shana Snell raised, got a fist pumped in the air. <laughs> she uh, <laughs> she led us, you know, and Limos, shout out to Limos. Shout um, out. Herman, who beautifully, he said, I don't want to paint nobody else but her. <laughs> and I was, we were like, we, we all got behind behind that. And of course, right, rightfully so, she's really put put and in, in, in told the story of Eatonville from her perspective as a young person and, and as an adult, and I really appreciate that because of what the significance of that particular town was. But, yeah, so we, you know, we definitely have tried to, from that point, really, really try to give emerging artists, black artists, artists who are usually not a part of the process of, like, grants and, you know, uh, residency and the the sustainable art careers. We know we had to kind of create those opportunities for ourselves. Yeah. You know, we were tired of applying for artist calls and not getting it and being rejected or, you know, and and so we were like, okay, if I can't show my work in the space, we're going to just curate our own spaces Mm -hmm. so we can also tell our stories authentically and and also make sure that no one's story is left out out of the project. And so we had amazing people a part of it and we revealed it in February 2020 and right before the pandemic and then the world shut down, but we continued to do virtual workshops nice. and, and surrounding it featuring local muralists. And so now um, going forward, you know, I've never stopped and we've never stopped. And so we have an, a, a, another project that we're embarking on. Um, so Kiera is a photographer. She was actually a part of the, the RISE project in Eatonville the mural project she helped document it um so from conception to to you know uh to the you know completion and everything it's been amazing and so she was able to 
uh, provide beautiful portraits of each artist um, and like our process. And so we were like, there's something here, right? Photography, I've always been a photographer and we were like, what if we create a, uh, a company mm-hmm. or an entity that can help archive projects like this that are happening in our communities, people right. who are doing amazing things who don't get the visibility of the news outlets That's or right. uh, have an archive on a, or a digital presence, right? Yes. Um, or people who can't afford access to get headshots, right. you know, for their, maybe they're starting out as an entrepreneur, they're an artist, they're, um, but they don't have the, the money to spend $500 to hire a professional photographer or a studio. And so we were like, we want to make sure that we do pop-up events where we can invite the people, local artists, entrepreneurs, so that they can meet each other, network, but also get a, a high-quality photo, you know, just a, a photo for their for their LinkedIn or their and, and and that access is something that we're always trying to bridge as artists. Correct. And so we created what is now Black Shell Studio. Oh wow. And <laughs> it started, that's where we met. We met um in yeah. the in the in the community work. And so Kiera could talk a little bit about her background. Tell yeah. us Kiera. Yeah. Um so yeah, my name's Kiera. Talk um, into the mic here. Oh, yep, my name is Kiera Branker. Um, I'm an artist uh, born and raised in Orlando. Um, and um, what I when I came back from school back in like 2019, like I felt so disconnected from what was my home in Orlando. And like I think what me, area did you grow up in? Um, I grew up like in the UCF area. Okay. Like like East Alabama. Side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, like even just growing up there like I always felt like that kind of lack in terms of just like kind of like the community building that could happen and I've always kind of wanted to bring that back home um, especially when I came back from college I went to school in New York and you know the speed that New York is on is a very different speed than Orlando yeah so yeah. I, I knew like I wanted to go back home and make it comfortable and make it feel like that kind of energy can still be cultivated here because there's there's so many talented people that I've just known, like living here, that I wanna, I wanna be able to capture that before they, Agreed. you know, send themselves somewhere else. That's right. Of how the world is, but or the limited opportunities that they right, feel. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And I feel like by launching like Black Shell Studio and having like these pop-up headshots, it gives people a, a chance and an opportunity to feel like, okay, well maybe I can make something happen. Here That's right. Myself. And I, I think more than anything, like creating this with Mariah, like it helped me believe that, that it could be a possible thing. Because it didn't feel like that at first. It was yes. like, okay, well, yes. we're going to have to figure something. <laughs> yes, but it's it's happening. Um, mm-hmm. We're seeing it. We're seeing the work. Um, Mariah has also sat on a lot of these boards. So here you have Mariah as someone who is an artist, someone who has positioned herself to also sit on the boards to begin to have the discussion um, um, by an artist as to what other artists need to help to fill those gaps. So really positioning yourself in both spaces um, that's that's true commitment to the work. That's true commitment to the work, helping those who are leading. And when we talk about spaces, and I, I tried my best to make sure that um, in every way possible, the Hannibal Square Heritage Center space can be, u- the, the purpose continues to expand. As the purpose is expanding, that is your space too. So always know that. So we're so happy that 
the black lunch table will be taking place in that space. And is it fair to say this is the first that it will be happening in our Central Florida community? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I believe with Black Lunch Table, um, they're, you know, nationwide, um, even worldwide as well. But um, I think maybe in the last three years, they were in Gainesville. Um, and now they're this year coming down over here. Big deal. Yeah. And did you guys have a hand in facilitating that conversation? Yeah, it's actually, um, I'm actually, I know one of the um, artists who work with that organization. And they saw that I live in Orlando and they were like, okay, well, Maybe we can, you know, let's let's make something happen because I, you know, I see you doing this, and I want to, you know, I want to capture that within like the archive of Black Lunch Table. Um, and Tell I, us more about Black Lunch Table, what they do, and how they will be doing that here. So Black Lunch Table is an organization um, that started out in the, in uh, up north, um, and so they basically have gone to different communities that are predominantly black, or they try to go to different cities. Um, no matter what, uh, you know, population, size of the city, they tried to see how they can bridge the access of uh, digital archiving in our communities. Um, a lot of folks, you know, who are culture workers, artists, curators, historians, are, you know, not documented That's in right. our communities, in our neighborhoods, um, at a local level and at a national level and a worldwide level. And so... That's why people like Zorna Hurston were so amazing because they were anthropologists. They were people who documented the world and how it was and also like our world, our communities. And so, you know, as you know, there, there's, you know, there's that, that there's a lack of access there. And so Black Lunch Table was created to address that. And so what they do is they host pop-up events um, to not only um, photographically document people, but to also... Um, help them create Wikipedia pages nice. so that they can digitally archive the work that they're doing, no matter what they're doing. I'm sorry, did you have no, a question? No, go, okay. keep going. Um, so if you are, you know, a leader in your community, a health advocate, um, you know, um, we embark on so many different projects. Who keeps track of that, you know? Um, and so the libraries are usually supposed to be the, the archive piece, right? And so... Um, or the uh, the anthropologists and historians and stuff like that, but a lot of times we don't get to benefit from those uh, sources of, of information. And so, um, Black Lunch Table was there has created um, this organization to address that in different cities. That's and I really love good. that they brought us in to do that. Yes. And people who already work in the community, they partner with people who already know their space and and what challenges are in their community, and they allowed us to completely curate the space and they nice. said this is just the intention you know your city you know your people make this event happen invite folks make sure that you Sarah let put your name on that list by the way I'm not sure if I share that <laughs> yeah, with yeah. you but I make no, sure, you didn't, but make sure that <laughs> I've, 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 I've been voluntold a lot of times anyway, yeah. but I do have a question because uh, I went on the uh, BLT website yeah and and to your point of archiving and researching and documenting and there was a Stunning statistic that jumped out. Yes. Uh, we're on, as far as Wikipedia gathering of information? Yep. 77% is white. Mm-hmm. And 91% of that 77% are men. Yep. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> numbers so, don't lie. Yeah. People do. And uh, so, you know, 
how, you know, there, there's that 23% disparity of where we may, may possibly sit. Yes. Okay. So what's, what's the next step? What's the initiative? What's the plan? Right. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not so much concerned about the numbers, the quantity. Mm-hmm. I am concerned about the quality. Right, right, exactly. And so the next step is, I think, people who are energized, no matter what space you're in, being able to say, I'm good at this. Mm-hmm. I'm good at the digital space. I know how to work this space. And as you, and, and they go into their community and they say, okay, no matter your age, if you're an elder, if you're a person who are a young person coming up into your craft or your field, I want to help you document the work that you're doing, whether I'm a photographer, uh, you know, a writer. We don't, you know, a lot of, even as a black artist, you know, when we have shows in galleries, Kiara just had an exhibit, you know, we don't have people writing and critiquing our work that right. are of our culture either. That's right. So they don't really understand the story we're trying to tell, mm-hmm. and it's from their lens, and it's always being told from another lens. Mm-hmm. So when you think about Wikipedia, you're archiving someone's work, and so that extra care and that extra detail on the, the work that you're doing and that visibility doesn't happen because people that don't look like us are not behind the keyboards, right. you know, documenting this. And so, you know, um, the contributors and people of Wikipedia, I'm sure they're only working with who they have in their space, but that's why a Black Lunch Table was created, was to say, okay, well, a lot of people don't know everybody can contribute to Wikipedia, but it takes um, a lot of detail and fine-tuning, and and um, they they have uh, perfected that, or they're continuing to perfect that as an organization. And so what they do is they do these pop-up photo booths, which is what we're doing in Hannibal Square on the 25th of February from 4 to 6, 4, 4 to 5, 30. 4 to 5. Um, and so, um, in which everyone can RSVP or just bring a friend, but we're doing this and they do a photo booth. That's the first installation of what they do. And then they usually come back and say, okay, now that everybody has their photo, let's help you do, like, they do like a Wikipedia edit marathon wow. for like an hour or two. Yeah, wow. Like, like either like edit-a-thons or like, um, like round tables. So just like certain kind of like activations in which like, people can come together and like speak about like things that are happening like to them at a very just like local level um, and just trying to you know create an impact that way that's like long lasting Mm -hmm. and just teaching people the skill of editing Mm -hmm. on Wikipedia which I think is just like magical because then it leaves you know those breadcrumbs that we need so that way we can always go back to it Mm -hmm. to find you brought up something earlier when you were speaking about archiving and who houses those archive and that has kind of been one of my one of my things lately um when we we look at your uh the work that you're doing and the information that you're seeking and for someone who works in or close to uh preservation of african-american stories i i remember contacting uh, a resident of hannibal square and i wanted to her to share her story her her family's story and in my thinking, I wanted to do it. Um, and th- at this time, we were like um, the majority out of COVID. Mm-hmm. And being that we were still uh, trying to find contact, content, par- pardon me, content virtually, I wanted to do more or less of a, a Zoom interview of that type to make it accessible. Okay. Um, another entity came in that this is what they do. 
absolutely, this is what you do. But I have not seen that interview, and it's been over a year. Because they came in, they did the interview from a um, quote-unquote institutional or professional stance. But again, that information, what can answer a lot of questions for myself, for you, as the next um, up-and-coming historians, preservations of history, it is not always readily available. So once again, I think this is what I appreciated about this project. It is that, um, um, that we will we can control some of the narrative that's yeah. being written and said about us. Mm-hmm. And so I go back to Dr. Brown's information again about the conversations um, that has to be had with those care providers. Mm-hmm. And so therefore a lot of them, again, are not always exposed to the culture. A lot of it mm-hmm. is um, how close are you to the culture? Who yeah. do you know? Mm-hmm. And so. I thank you for the work that you're doing. I thank you for bringing this project. Um, Daryl, your name is on the list. Dr. Shonestel Brown, (laughs) your name is now on the list. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And and, I mean, that just to bring it close to this space here, right? Let's say, you know, like, Doctor, you've done so many different projects you're doing now, but I'm sure you have a slew of projects that you've done in the past. Yes. And so if I want to look you up, you know, you should have some type of presence online that shows You've done this project. That's right. That way I can go back and go to those publications and That's right. see the work that you've done and the outcomes and those things get the lost. The credit. The credit. Those things get credit. lost. Yes. Yeah. And so yes. and, and just like as, a, as an artist, you know, have you published any books or ha- where have you shown your work? Like I should be able to see that. And, you know, it, unfortunately that doesn't always happen for us. And so I'm, I, I think I'm thankful for the opportunity to, to just usher in this, this project. And um, I'm excited to meet everybody. And so just the next steps I would say is that if you're listening, um, you know, definitely, even if you don't think of yourself as an artist or contributor, just come. Yeah. Um, no matter, I feel like everyone has a purpose. Everyone has a role in their community and come, you know, and bring someone with you that, you know, are either artists or curators or their, their student or their education. You just never know um, who you are and who you can be and what you will become. And so, I want people who, even if you don't feel like you're somebody, come. Come. Because you are somebody. All right. And you are part of this community. And so we are definitely prioritizing folks who are of BIPOC, uh, so black, indigenous, people People. of color. Okay. Um, Definitely, but all are welcome to come and um, just take your picture. That's it. Take your picture. Take your picture. You heard it. We're not doing the Wikipedia of this (laughs) event, but just come Come take your picture. picture. And learn more. Eat, eat some food, drink. You know, um, you know, Mrs. Barbara always hosts a great, a great <laughs> space at Hannibal Square. Yeah. Come see the stories that, okay. that are on the walls of Hannibal Square. There's an amazing exhibit happening upstairs with the the story quilters of Hannibal Square. Um, so there'll be a lot of different things you can still get while you know after and before your picture is taken. The space is just always it's just and also connect with o- lo- local people, people that right. are coming We're to get their photos. Time. So, yeah, <laughs> we are at our time. We want to thank Dr. Shana Stell Brown. We want to thank Mariah Ronan. We want to thank Kiara Branker, Daryl Gray. You've been listening to our seat, our table. Enjoy the weekend. Thank you so much, everyone.